With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. This is Business Rockstars. I'm Alex Worley. Welcome to the show. Now over to Pat O'Brien. We are here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. Welcome to Business Rockstars. I'm Pat O'Brien. Jeb Dastiel uh, is the author of Competing for Customers. That's me. Which is your bestseller and the chief customer officer uh, for Oracle. You've been there, what, 18 years? 18 years, yes. Right. What is customer success? Customer success really is focusing everything you do when you work with a customer on what their business outcomes are and how to help them achieve their business outcomes, help them measure their business outcomes, and then apply that to the next customer by, by being able to tell your next prospect or your next customer what you've done exactly to help customers to be successful. Is customer success short-term or long-term? It's long-term. Mm-hmm. It's a long-term play. So it's long-term only if the short-term is right. <laughs> well, this is true. Yes, there is a short-term component of it. Uh, and, and, and generally, the starting point is about, about listening to your customer. It sounds obvious, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty hard thing to do, actually, to carefully listen to your customer, to know what the customer's views are, concerns are, what their objectives are, and, and how they measure success, and then applying everything you do to help them achieve those objectives. And the responsibility is more on you, I would think, since it's a puzzle and you're putting them in the puzzle. It's got to fit, right? The responsibility is more on, on <coughs> you, but the best thing you can possibly do as you're helping a customer through this whole process of, of demonstrating uh, achieve, attainment of business value or attainment of objectives is to give them the tools to measure incrementally how they're how they're progressing okay in terms of I, i'm a new oracle customer for example what's what, what are the steps you take me through well there's generally three things you have to do you start with listening mm-hmm. and then you progress from listening to engaging and you progress from engaging to basically ensuring the listening part's probably pretty obvious it's about in fact understanding what the customer wants to get done right, so i'm telling you what done. i need yep exactly okay. the engaging aspect is just finding different structured or systematic ways to work with that customer and and help them in fact be able to to target to track to measure the business value that they've sought and then the insurer is just going through the last bit of that process which is the which is the measurement of, of business value what if you can't do it if you can't do it and you can't actually help your customer to be successful then you've got a big problem or how about just tell them you got to tell them. Right. Yeah, no, you, you absolutely have to tell them. The, the, the whole point, though, really is to tell them early and either give them an opportunity. So they're not engaged. To- well, so, so they don't spend a year or two years knowing, or, or two years to the point where they, they're, they're just not going to be successful. And you, you know it, but you haven't told them that. That's, that's a crime. Uh, Jeb is the head of uh, chief customer officer. About 180 people work for you, right? That's about right. And author of the book, Competing for Customers. Yes. We laugh when we say that because we've 
We try to mention it 10 times. As often as possible. Um, the book did well? Book's doing great. Yeah, very happy with Any it. Any feedback? Um, generally, really good feedback, actually. Yeah, no, for, for my, there's two guys that I wrote the book with, Amir Hartman and Craig Legrand. Amir, Craig, and I have been really pleased with the feedback. You know, in the traditional business, competing for customers meant lower your prices. At Oracle, it must mean, or at Oracle, I assume it means better services, better technology, better customer service, better people, it's, it's better attention. Better products, better services, and great way to say it, better attention to the customer. And that better attention to the customer is really about everything we've talked about. It's about focusing on customer success, focusing on business outcomes. Is it more difficult in, in, in this kind of business to, to satisfy a customer than it would be, let's say, in the retail business? Um, I, I think it or is. fashion. In, in a way, I think those two worlds are converging because I think what we're seeing is that, is that consumer behaviors and consumers expecta- consumer expectations are very much bleeding into into this um, in more enterprise environment where, where businesses are selling to businesses. Um, but it's complex. Right. The, the, the biggest challenge we have is that technology is inherently complex. And but it's here to stay. It's here to, it's here to stay. And, and the whole process of making technology simpler for the person consuming the technology is really complicated. Well, we are not. We are here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Pat O'Brien. This is Business Rockstars. Jeb Dastiel is our guest. Customers really, really need to know exactly what you're offering them. Not halfway, right? Isn't that your challenge? Yeah, that is the challenge. No and surprises. What I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It, it is a challenge, and for for a product that's inherently complicated, and, and especially a customer that is buying a whole suite of different products that run different aspects of their business, it it is really complicated. And one of the things we're really focused on get it right most of the time, but maybe not all the time, is setting the right expectations. Having customers Good really point. understand what they're buying, what they've bought. Or what they're not buying. And what they're not buying. Yeah. Exactly. What's the uh, culture of that company? Culture Oracle. of the company, yeah. I, I would say there's there's the fun is there's it? two characteristics. Um, fun probably isn't the first one, I would say. <laughs> um, I didn't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, I, know, I know, I know. No, it's fun in its own way. It's, um, I would say that it's very engineering driven very data oriented mm-hmm. and, and i would which say which can be fun which which can be fun and it's a very product oriented company so we get very very excited about the new products we launch and and the way that we deliver those products to our customers is, is very exciting to us and your success is measured by what um number of customers how well they get along with you i would say that the money single, i would say there's a couple of things it's it's customer loyalty and we measure that fanatically Customer satisfaction, we measure that fanatically. And it's um, increasingly about customer success. So the, the trick there is every customer measures success differently. So it gets a little bit tricky as to how we measure it for ourselves. But that's a big part going forward of how we measure our success is, is whether we've actually helped customers to achieve Je- their objectives. Yeah. Jeb Dastiel is our guest, the chief customer officer. I would have thought that you've been here for a while now. Uh, that your phone would go off. I turned it off. Oh, you. If okay I hadn't have turned, if that? I hadn't have turned it off, it, it would absolutely have gone off multiple times. Okay. Is anything ever good? I, I once asked Doug Ivester, chairman of Coca Cola, when when that phone rings, is anything it's good? A, it's almost never a good thing. Yeah, and that's what he told me. Yeah, no, that's, he that's said, no, that's the phone that's no, never. that's a problem. It's either somebody within the company 
that's got a problem with a customer or it's a customer that's got a but problem. But the good news is it's solvable, right? I mean, but it's totally a, solvable. You have a, yeah. a, a system set up. That- I would rather, yeah, I've had people ask me, you know, are we seeing our, our um, issues, the, the number of issues we take on and escalated issues and so forth, are those decreasing over time? And my answer is consistently, in a way, in a way, I want them to increase because I'd like to have visibility into what those issues are as early and as often as possible right. so we can address them. It's a good way to look at it. Is Oracle really uh, going to be around in 20 years? Oh, yes. Not in this form oh, now, yes. though, right? No, we're, we're really going through... I didn't mean it's going to die. I mean, no, no, but we're going through a radical transformation, and, and it looks different today than it did two years ago, and it's going to look very different in 20 years. And that's the exciting thing about this business that you're in. That's why that, I've done this for almost two decades, and, right. and, and uh, unless I'm fired... Are you I, rounding I'm off 18 years already? Almost two decades, yeah. <laughs> okay. I've been um, working for a long time. Um, when you compete for customers, like your book says, um, how do you stay in front of the group? How, you, the, how do you get so... I, I used to always think, I want to be so far ahead, I'm lonely. Uh, which is kind of an egomaniacal way of, of saying who I am, but how do you I, do I, that? I, I, think there's, I think there's two ways to do that. I think having really smart people develop great products, forward thinking. Um, and secondly, I think that if you know, if you really know, understand your customers and can talk the language of your customers, know their business, help them to really lay out and then achieve what they need to get done to, to, to drive their enterprise, you'll be ahead. Well said. I think you need both things, though. Thanks, Jeb. Thank you. We are here to inspire, inform, and connect the community of entrepreneurs. I'm Pat O'Brien. Thanks for watching, Business Rockstar. See you next time. Hey, this is Darren Kavanoki with free startup legal advice. Here's a question from Amy in Chicago. She writes, I'm working on a stealth web app. Hmm, nothing fancy or patentable, just simply a different concept in the social realm. Is there any way I can protect my concept when I'm working with others, or can they just run off with my ideas? Well, Amy, let's see what we can do. There's many ways to protect your ideas, but before we get into those specifics, let's do some gut check here. How committed are you to this idea? Do you really solve a problem that the world needs solved, or... Are you like a scratch looking for an itch? Sometimes, entrepreneurs are like new parents. To a new parent, there's no such thing as an ugly baby. If it's your baby, it's a beautiful baby. But guess what? It's different in business. In business, there are ugly babies. So you need to check in and make sure that you've got a baby worth investing your money and your time in. If the answer is that you've got a beautiful baby of an idea before you share your intellectual property with anyone, you may want to talk with an intellectual property attorney who can advise you specifically about what you need to do to protect your property and make sure that you have the appropriate non-disclosure, non-compete, and non-use agreements in place. I'm Dr. Bob Arnott, and I treat pain with Salon Pause. Before you take anything for back or joint pain, I recommend applying topical pain relievers first, like Salon Pause Lidocaine Patch. Salon Pause Lidocaine contains the maximum strength lidocaine available without a prescription. It blocks pain receptors 
providing effective, long-lasting, and non-addictive relief. Also available in roll-on or cream. Look for the silver Salon Paz box in the pain relief aisle. Salon Paz, it's good medicine. Sponsored by Hizumitsu. Hey, my friend's company spent three days cleaning up an email phishing attack that targeted several dozen employees. Yeah, if just one malicious email slips through, an attack can spread quickly and do serious damage. What if that happens to us? Don't worry. We have Barracuda Forensics and Incident Response. So we're good? Yes. With fast, automated response and remediation, all traces of the attack can be removed in less than five minutes. Wow, that's a relief. Protect your business at Barracuda.com. Barracuda. Your journey secured. Rockstars. Now let's go to Mark Lack. Hi, I'm Mark Lack. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. This is Business Rockstars. And joining me today is AJ Shaw, the co-founder of Dottie Digital. It's great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Mark. So give us the other pitch. What is Dottie Digital? So we are an augmented reality company and we do objects in 3D and with animations. What is the coolest thing you see happening right now in the augmented reality world? Obviously, Pokemon Go. <laughs> That's it's a huge been, one right now. It's been really good for us. Um, you know, a lot of people thought augmented reality was something completely different until Pokemon Go really changed their idea of what it could be and how big it is. So um, that's been really beneficial for our company and we could take Pokemon Go to the next level. Where do you see a lot of the augmented reality and virtual reality stuff going into, into new spaces that a lot of people aren't familiar with yet? So uh, I think the biggest thing is wearables, right? Um, we have the Apple Watches, the Android Watches, um, and we're supplementing the cell phone. But uh, the, in, in reality, it'll all be on glasses. So okay. Google Glasses was kind of the pioneer, but um, it'll, be, it'll be a wearable technology that'll be glasses, augmented reality, and you'll never check your cell phone again. What are you most excited about, though, about the industry? I think the thing we're most excited about is the fact that we could change the way business is done. Um, you Give know, me some examples. Customer service, 100% customer service. Mm -hmm. So if you take just like Ikea, for example, if you have a wine rack and you want to reorder a part or you want to see how to reassemble it because you don't have the instruction manual and you moved, you have to go to a YouTube video and you're like, well, what is that guy doing back there? I can't really see what he's doing back there. I'm missing steps all over the place. In augmented reality, you could see the entire process overlaid the entire furniture in front of you, step by step, piece by piece. And if you ever needed to reorder a piece, you could know exactly what piece that was because you have it all in augmented reality. I'm curious for you, when and why did you want to get into this space? So we didn't obviously start here. Uh, we, we started with a different technology. We thought avatar shopping was going to be the next phase. And so what is we, that? Avatar shopping would be you have a 3D scan of yourself and then you dress yourself. Um, and so the next step would be to augment that instead of just having it um, be a, a photo above. Okay. So we were doing it on photogrammetry. So now augmented reality was the next step. And it was like, okay, is this possible? Can we augment what we had done in scan technology? Because we started in the 3D printing era. And so 3D printing started to die down. And we're like, man, this industry just got crushed. What are we going to do? And that's when we pivoted into augmented reality. What's the craziest thing you've experienced with VR and augmented reality so far? For me, it was either doing the roller coaster, which almost made me want to mm -hmm. like puke. Um, it actually felt like I was on a roller coaster. 
um, or going through a dark, creepy maze with like zombies and like ghosts that would like pop out. It was insane. It's like you're actually really experiencing it. <laughs> so, so the benefit of virtual reality is you can't actually discern your environment. Um, and I've seen some really good, high quality VR where you're like this. It's crazy. You can't even tell. Yeah, they. He basically <laughs> hands you the remote and he says, at the end, it's going to tell you to do something. Make sure that you're in a virtual reality. Don't drop the remote. And everyone drops the remote because I was like, put it on the table when you're done. And everyone drops the remote because mm. they were like, I thought I was there. Yeah. I thought the table was right there. <laughs> Augmented reality, you see your entire reality in front of you at all times. So you know what's real and what's not real. So you can easily discern it. And I think that's Which the biggest like Pokemon. You see the normal reality, but they place a little Pokemon in it. Exactly. Okay. So you never get lost in the fact that you're like, am I really, is this really in my environment or not? You know it for sure it's not. Okay. So, so that's the distinction between the two. That's the real big distinction between okay. the two. But what's the craziest thing you've seen either currently in augmented reality or VR or that you've heard, you know, alluding to this is what's going to come? So um, a lot of people have talked and seen Magic Leap, which is going to be- What is that? Uh, it's a huge company in the augmented reality space. It's uh, backed, it's got a $1.4 billion valuation. They've released YouTube videos, but nobody's really sure what they're up to. Um, so the craziest thing I've seen is we've been able to put uh, in an ODG7 glasses, we were able to put stereo vision, which mimicked the YouTube videos of an animation sequence of Magic Leap. What the heck is that? <laughs> so, so what that is, is we were able to animate uh, a turbine engine in full 360 all the way across. So you can see the turbine engine blow up spin all the way around and you can see the internal workings of it all the way across. And as I was spinning it, someone on the other side of the world can see it because we have a collaborative work environment. So we're spinning it at the same time in different directions. So if you spun it one way, I'd see it in my headset. And then if you, I spun it, you would see it in your headset. Take me back to the beginning. You got a bachelor's degree, you got yep. a master's degree, but then what happened? So in between, so, so after I got my bachelor's degree, I went to go work for Gillette. And Gillette was acquired by Procter & Gamble. And uh, I learned the tough lessons of corporate life. I was actually spun out of that acquisition um, because I was a new hire and it was a redundancy. So uh, talking to my manager, talking to my parents and some other people, they were like, you know what, maybe it's a good time to go get your master's. And uh, I thought, okay, I'll go get my master's. Went down to the University of Tampa, did international business and entrepreneurship. And uh, Looking back on it, was it the right move? You know, you, you don't know what the other move could have been. Uh, there's definitely some things I would have done differently. Um, there was some offers that I turned down. One example would be Crocs. I ended up going for the <laughs> corporate route and worked for Warehouser, which one in every six homes respect with their wood products. And this was 2006 at the height of the construction industry. And uh, Crocs was a fledgling startup, didn't really have a lot of capital behind them. You weren't really sure what their fate was going to be. Um, and so Warehouser was like, hey, we're a huge behemoth. We're a $100 billion company. We want to bring you over and hire you. So I took that offer. And then 2008 happened. And in that same time, Crocs turned out to be a multi-billion dollar company and I could have gotten in on the ground floor. Wow. So, um, you know, you, you, you never place, know when you're going to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. That plays in your head consistently. What if, what if, what if? So um, after Warehouser in 2008 and being spun out, I was like, okay, no more what ifs. Now it's my time. And I was like, it's, it's time for me to do my own thing. And that's kind of how I got into entrepreneurship. So when was a light bulb moment though? A lot of the times, you know, sitting with somebody, they always say, well, you know, either there was a problem in my own life that I wanted to solve myself and that kind of led me down the path to creating the solution and the business that I have, or in your case, you just kind of had the light bulb moment that was like, now is time for me to go out and do my own thing. So the light bulb moment for me was I, uh, I grew up in Boston and then was recruited by Warehouser to Boise. They're, they're headquartered in Seattle. I don't even hear the accent. 
I know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> after after about ten years, it gets beaten out yeah. of you. Um, and so I, I moved to Boise, Idaho, for Warehouser. And then in two thousand eight, when they were like, "Hey, listen, we love you, but we got to let you go," I looked around and there was nothing to do in Boise. I was like, "I built a life here. I moved here. I put everything." kind of all my eggs in one basket. And I was like, what do I do? Do I uproot? Do I go back to Boston? Do I try and find a job? I was like, no, I'm going to make it work. I put my life here. I'm going to make it work. And that's when I started my own company. Me and two other folks who left Warehouser started a company. What do you think is the hardest part about getting started? For me, I was forced to start. It's, it's not like I had the option. It wasn't like I had the cushy job. And then I was like, should I quit the cushy job and start? It was, you are now on your own. Yeah. Figure but it out. you had to make the decision. And so, yeah. Between getting the job and going back to the certainty of a paycheck and the security of that right. versus the uncertainty and the risk of going out and starting your own business. And, 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 to, me, and to me, I thought it was, I, it's just as uncertain, right? Being spun out of two major Fortune 500 companies, I was like, that's more uncertain. And the only true yeah. investment is myself. And I said, if I fail, I can always go back to the Fortune 500 level. Mm. But I got to at least try it and I got to make sure this is the right decision for me and uh, haven't looked back since. What do you think was one of the biggest lessons so far in your journey? I'm sure there's dozens, if not yeah. know, hundreds, but what was one of the best lessons so far in your journey? You Could know, have been from a mentor. The, one of the biggest things that I found is the quality of life improves dramatically. Uh, when I was in the Fortune 500 world, I was on, always constantly surrounded by people by force, right? You don't get to choose your coworkers most of the mm -hmm. time. In this world, you choose the life that you want. You choose the clients you want. You choose the people you want to work with. And I think that's been the biggest lesson because it's completely changed how I approach life and the amount of things that I get to do in my life. Wow. I love that. I can't wait to come back in a second and pick your brain. You've got an amazing story. So I can only imagine that you're full of business wisdom as well. We're going to be back in just a minute. I'm Mark Lack on Business Rockstars, connecting a community of entrepreneurs. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at businessrockstars.com. You shouldn't have to choose a random lawyer who charges expensive hourly rates when you need legal help. But the legal system is so complicated, what other choice do you have when you need help with your business or want to protect your family? Start with LegalZoom. They make it easy. For more than a decade, they've provided a way for regular people like you and me to confidently navigate the legal system. LegalZoom's not a law firm, and that's how they provide such great value. They don't rely on charging you by the hour. Instead, you'll get transparent pricing and customer reviews so you know exactly what you're getting up front. If you need help with incorporation, LLCs, trademarks, last wills, living trusts, and more, LegalZoom's the smart choice. They've got the right people on hand to answer your questions. And if you need legal advice, their network of independent attorneys can provide the straightforward guidance you need in most states. Don't let legal hurdles become an excuse. Go to LegalZoom.com today to start building your own future the right way. To save even more, enter Rockstar in the referral box at checkout. That's LegalZoom.com. Rockstars. Now let's go to Mark Lack. Hi, I'm Mark Lack. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. This is Business Rockstars. And joining me today, it is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is AJ Shaw, the co-founder of Dottie Digital. We're going to get started with our 60-second CEO. I'm going to rapid-fire some questions at you. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Great. All right, here we go. Favorite entrepreneur? Richard Branson. Favorite book? The Game. How do you unplug? Uh, beach. What's your biggest pet peeve? People driving. If you can have an extra hour in the day, how would you want to use it? Ooh, probably read more. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Japan. <laughs> What's the first app you check in the morning? Uh, probably Facebook. What is your most used app on your phone? My email. <laughs> Do you prefer texting or calling? Texting. What is the craziest thing you've ever done? Uh, probably. Whew, that's craziest thing you've ever done. You got it. Dro- drove across Australia. <laughs> okay. Last question is: Describe yourself in one word. Uh, sociable. Sociable. All right. How important is it? I love when somebody gives you something simple. Yeah. How important is it to be sociable as an entrepreneur? Do you think you need to be an extrovert or can you be an introvert? I think it's going to be a lot harder if you're an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think that is? As, as you know, a business leader, you need to be able to work with people. You need to be able to actually talk with clients. People want to hear the face of the company. And if you are the face of the company, you need to have that presence. And- I, for me personally, I've kind of always been, and I think I still am today, mm-hmm. ironically, more of an introvert than an extrovert, even though I host this show and speak on stages all over the world consistently, I think I'm more of an introvert still. I'm the guy that would rather sit there quietly and listen to everybody and having a background in psychology, just kind of absorb everything Mm -hmm. happening in the room. And, you know, I was taught you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. You're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. And so for me, I've just kind of always been more introvert and like to listen and kind of absorb and learn everything. Um, but have you kind of always been more introverted or extroverted? I've always been more extroverted always. Okay. So I would say one of my biggest, uh, lessons that I have to learn is, is sometimes I actually have to, to be more quiet and listen. Mm. Um, and sometimes I'll take that. So, so most of the times what I'll do is I'll try and sell my point over the point yeah, and yeah. not listen to what the customer wanted, where he was like, okay. that's all I needed. And then I could have just shut up and let the sale happen. <laughs> so um, there's definitely pros and cons to both where you're, where you're definitely uh, in tune with the listening a lot better. Sometimes I'm the first one to go and I, I forget to actually let the other person put yeah. their two cents in. So you have a background in sales just like I do. Absolutely. So what do you think is the best thing that somebody can understand about the selling process? You have to find out what's important to the other person. Mm, don't try to put what you think is important on them. Never, exactly. Okay. So, um, you know, by all means, do research. I use LinkedIn very religiously. Uh, people list a lot more than you actually think on LinkedIn. Um, you usually can't find too much about them on Facebook because they usually have private profiles, but LinkedIn, uh, they'll have a few hobbies and things. 
And from there, you can extract what is important to that person in their life. I think the selling process in a nutshell is build rapport, Mm -hmm. build trust, Mm -hmm. develop and agitate the pain, provide the solution, and then elegantly go for the close. And at that point, if you've done a good enough job building rapport, Mm -hmm. building trust, agitating the pain, providing the solution, the close almost takes care of itself. You can just basically say, based on what you shared with me and provided me, I think this option or this option would be the best. Which one do you think? Yeah. I think that's a simple five-step process, pain, uh, rapport, trust, pain, solution, close. Absolutely. And I actually like the, uh, the order that's in Yeah, because, uh, without it, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't understand the person, how could you possibly have rapport and trust? Right? Exactly. Okay. So from a selling standpoint, what do you think the biggest mistake is you see people make? Uh, I think the biggest thing is they don't find what agitates them. Mm-hmm. They, the comfort and which is rapport plus trust. I think that equals comfort yeah. um, is the simple stuff. Most people could do that, but it's what they don't understand is how do they get this person to commit to saying yes, because it's actually needed where they think it's needed, but how do they convince the other person it is? Do you think in the selling position, you should be the one answering questions or asking questions. Always asking. I love that. Why do you think that is? Because you have to know what their pain point is and you have to know what it is they want. And if your solution, as good as it is, doesn't address anything they talk to you about, then it's not the right solution. Shifting gears, a topic we talk about all the time Mm -hmm. is raising money. And you guys had to raise money for your business, right? We're still in the process. What's the hardest part about raising money? I think nowadays everyone thinks it's trendy and cool. No, it is (laughs) it is by far the hardest thing. So you think building a rock star product is hard? Then you go and try and raise funding. And then you were like, <laughs> I already did the hard part. I raised, I, I did the product. Now yeah. you should give me money. And and honestly, my, my advice there is have the relationships before you need them. Um, How can you do that? So by going to the right industry events, uh, go to where the VCs swim. It's pretty easy to see where they go. Um, Name some places. Pitch events is okay. a big one where other entrepreneurs are. Uh, you could go to any of like the big, like the Montgomery summit here in LA. You can go to incubators. That's a huge incubators. Right. So go to where they, they like to go and make friends with them without asking them for money. Cause everyone asks them for money. But if you're the guy that just is like, Hey, uh, I'd like to at least understand what you look for and ask the right questions and never pitch the money for that first few interactions. Then when you do actually go to pitch the money, you know exactly what they're looking for and you didn't waste any of their time. What, would you, what do you think was the key to your guys' success? You were able to successfully raise a sum that I don't know if you can disclose or not, but you were able yep, to successfully raise yep. lots of money. And you've obviously understood what it takes to raise money. So could you explain some practical steps? Like this is what you need to do, these one so, or two or three things. I think the biggest thing is, is ensuring you have the client base, right? Showing that there is a need in the market. Then the investor could get behind that saying, oh, okay, so-and-so signed a contract with you guys. You guys obviously have done something right. Um, so having at least two or three big names behind you is, is very key. And then when you pitch the guy for whoever you're pitching for investment, uh, always go to what they think is the future and how you can help them get there. So you're in the augmented reality, virtual mm-hmm. reality space. If I took away all of your relational capital, your network, mm-hmm. and all of your financial capital, except for $500, and you only had access to the internet, what would you do? Would you get into the same space? Would you start over? How would you start a business? Right now, I, I, I wouldn't go into another space. Augmented okay. reality seems it's going to be about four times bigger than virtual reality. And uh, to me, I don't see a more exciting space. So the Pokemon app really gets you excited. The Pokemon app <laughs> has got me excited for a different reason. It has sparked a new interest from multiple people into our company who didn't understand it. When you go to a big corporation, a Walmart, a Target, the average person inside there does not understand technology and augmented reality. 
And now they're coming to my doors and saying, hey, can we implement this type of technology? And that is a phenomenal game changer. So practical applications and something like that, what would that look like? So you would have a QR code. Uh, so let's say you have are a- Are those still around? I feel like those are so dead. Yeah, they, they might make are a they comeback. Are they trying to come back? They might make those a comeback. Like, those like sprouted up for a minute and got and squashed. The, <laughs> right. So you can have a tag. Uh, so let's say you have a product, say a running shoe. Uh, you can't cut the running shoe open and see the inside of the technology to say, hey, what made this running shoe such an interesting technology? Mm -hmm. So if you scan the QR code in front of it, the shoe will come out in augmented reality, and then it'll actually cut open and dissect that shoe in the multiple layers. Almost like a show. really cool commercial. Oh, yeah, exactly like a cool <laughs> commercial. But then you control the experience. So then you can, you'll have maybe like 10 different points that you could push on, and then it'll tell you about those different things within... Okay. Yeah. Curveball question. What was the worst job you ever had? <laughs> uh, I think one of the worst jobs I had was I worked for the post office and uh, adhering labels and stuffing envelopes was possibly the worst job I've ever had. <laughs> that would definitely lead me to wanting to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm Mark Lack on Business Rockstars and joining me today is AJ Shaw, the co-founder of Dottie Digital, an augmented reality company. Do you want to elaborate at all? Yeah. So what we do is we take complex objects. So take a turbine engine, for example. Okay. There's no way, if you were going to have a meeting and you wanted to put a turbine engine on the table, there's no way to physically do that. So you'd have to, today's age, you do a small replica. But dissecting that small replica gets harder and harder. So instead, what you can do is you can now put it on augmented reality, have the uh, turbine engine in the full spectrum, explode the whole thing, spin it, turn it, and identify exactly the areas of contention that you wanted to discuss within the turbine engine to be like, hey, here's how we improve this engine. Here's how we can modify this. And then take that to anything. You can now put a car on the table. And if you're redesigning a car, you can say, okay, here's the points of contention in this car. I love that. So here's let's get into the company culture, but an aspect of company culture that I don't think a lot of people talk about. And that is making sure that when you're hiring great talent or already have great talent, regardless of who the people are that work in your organization, every single person is in alignment with the values, the mission, and the purpose of the company. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys go about making sure that you do that in your organization? We have a pretty relaxed environment. We're still a small team. So we like to encourage our employees to get their job done. They know exactly what the, the milestones and tasks are in front of them. And so we, we don't dictate, hey, I need you to work Monday through Friday uh, eight to five or whatever to try and get it done. It's like, hey, if we have a big push, they might work a 12-hour shift for four days. And then we're like, hey, take the rest of the week off. Okay, so one of your values is basically, if I were going to word it, uh, individual responsibility. These people understand that yeah. I, am, I am responsible for a specific result and outcome. And as long as I can make that happen, you guys kind of give them some flexibility. Yeah. So our biggest thing is we, we've all worked, every one of the co-founders has worked in the, in the Fortune 500 type space. And we've all had to have like that whole report to an office type mentality. And to us, that seems crazy, right? Uh, if you could skip the commute, especially here in LA, which could be up to an hour, uh, that's two hours of your life back every day if you just were to work from home and work remote. And so we encourage people to be like, hey, do whatever you need to do. Take care of your family, take care of yourself first. And work should add to your life but it's also instrumental to carrying on your life. I know that you guys made a huge triumph in the beginning, which was landing a huge client. Mm -hmm. And when you're first getting started, we all know the hardest thing to do is to get your first big client. That is a true Whether story. Whether that's a Fortune 1000, Fortune 500, whatever it is, getting your first huge client is always the hardest thing. Or in this case, you know, also getting your first investor can be one of the hardest things. 
How did you go about landing your first Oddly enough, client? yeah, your, your first client has to probably come before your first investor, yeah. right? Because every investor is like, who, who in the market has validated that this is a need in the marketplace? Yeah. So um, getting the first client was obviously, like I said, I was at a trade show. Um, a number of my target clients were at this trade show. Um, and I basically went to their booth and I said, hey, uh, who's kind of like the top rank here, right? And they're like, oh, you got to talk to this guy. And so- He's like, well, what do you want to talk about? I showed him the demo and like, uh, yep, hold on one second. Let me go get him. And then next thing you know, he's like, uh, yeah, let's, let's have a meeting. Gave me his business card. And then I went down to headquarters, uh, did a full demo with the executives at the company. And then the executive signed off. So what do you think allowed you to land a client? You know, a lot of people will make the mistake. They'll go up and they'll instantly be like, here's what we've got. Here's, you know, here's what it can do for you. Is there another way to do it? How did you ultimately do it? Because I want to so, hear the practical steps. Like I went up to the person you and gotta, the only reason why I got the initial intro to do the big demo later was because. So it's, it's almost like the interview with Levi's, right? The, the old adage is if you were going to interview at Levi's, you would want to wear a pair of Levi's jeans to the interview. Even though normally we were in a suit culture, it's like, if you're going to interview with that company, why would you wear a suit? Yeah. And uh so with the company that I went to, I was definitely in their merchandise. I had pre-planned to buy a few different outfits so because I didn't know which client was going to close. So I had a few different models with a few different demos for each client that okay, I could show so, them specifically with their product. Okay, so you basically, you planned, you did your research. And you Absolutely. Prepared. I love yep. that. AJ, appreciate you for coming on the show, brother. Thank you, Mark. Amazing segment. I'm Mark Lack on Business Rockstars, connecting a community of entrepreneurs. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at businessrockstars.com. I'm Dr. Jeff Gooden, and I treat pain with Salon Pass. That's because practicing good medicine is my responsibility as a doctor. For back or joint pain, I agree with CDC guidance that recommends using topical pain relievers first, like Salon Pass Patch Large. Salon Pass is powerful, FDA-approved to relieve debilitating moderate pain, yet non-addictive and gentle on the body. Look for the green Salon Pass box in the pain relief file. Salon Pass. It's good medicine. Sponsored by Hizumitsu. Are you or a loved one struggling to hear despite using hearing aids? It might be time to ask a doctor about cochlear implants. My cochlear implant gave me access to the sounds that I've been missing. I'm <laughs> back to being me, and I'm unstoppable. Cochlear implants are routinely covered by Medicare and most private insurance plans for those who meet the health plan criteria. Ready to be unstoppable? Call 833-700-HEAR to learn more and find a doctor near you. Again, that's 833-700-HEAR. Sponsored by Cochlear. You shouldn't have to choose a random lawyer who charges expensive hourly rates when you need legal help. But the legal system is so complicated, what other choice do you have when you need help with your business or want to protect your family? Start with LegalZoom. They make it easy. For more than a decade, they've provided a way for regular people like you and me to confidently navigate the legal system. LegalZoom's not a law firm, and that's how they provide such great value. They don't rely on charging you by the hour. Instead, you'll get transparent pricing and customer reviews so you know exactly what you're getting up front. If you need help with incorporation, LLCs, trademarks, last wills, living trusts, and more, LegalZoom's the smart choice. They've got the right people on hand to answer your questions. And if you need legal advice, their network of independent attorneys can provide the straightforward guidance you need in most states. Don't let legal hurdles become an excuse. Go to LegalZoom.com today to start building your own future the right way. To save even more, enter Rockstar in the referral box at checkout. That's LegalZoom.com.
business rock stars. Now let's go to Mark Lack. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Mark Lack, and this is Business Rockstars. My guest today is April Kim. She's the CEO at Chatting Cat. April, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, good to be here. Thank you. Where, where are you Skyping in with us? Where are you at right now in the world? I'm in Seoul, Korea. Wow. Well, thank you very much for making the time to join us on our show. Thank you for the opportunity to talk. Of course. So Chatting Cat, that's your company. Tell us a little bit about your company, Chatting Cat. Um, Chatting Cat is an instant English correction service by crowdsourced native English speakers. So uh, there are over 800 native speakers on our platform and answering correction requests within three minutes. Wow. How do you go about creating a company like that? I know that most of the time when I'm interviewing people, they created a business out of a desire and a need to want to solve a problem in their own life. And I know that that's actually the same thing for you. So elaborate for us. How did you get the idea to create this business? Uh, yes, I, when I was working in the U.S., uh, I was a marketer. And before I used English for my work, but I didn't have to worry too much about uh, making embarrassing mistakes. But then as a marketer working in the U.S., I felt, uh, I felt really like handicapped when I couldn't write a complete email. So I hired a native English speakers as a tutor. And whenever I sent him my English writing, he replied with a corrected version. And that really increased my work productivity. And I thought that I shouldn't make a service out of it because there are so many people like me uh, who are struggling uh, because of their poor English or writing communication skills. So that's why. <laughs> well, I love it. So you have a background in marketing. How are you actually marketing this product, Chatting Cat? How are you getting this out to the world? Uh, as a marketer, you have to understand customers. That's the most important thing. And since I have the exactly same pain uh, for uh, like our potential users, so uh, I write about my story on blog and we do a lot of content marketing um, and our customers also write their stories and their, their, their broken English writing and also corrected versions. So that's, uh, that's the, the way we try to bring in more customers. Okay, awesome. And what are the biggest mistakes you see people make when they're marketing in general? Because we have a lot of new entrepreneurs in the business world, and we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs who at some day, hopefully will go out into the world and be taking their own business and idea out into the marketplace. And as all of us know who are in business, nothing actually happens until you've sold something. And another way to generate sales is through marketing. And with your marketing background, I'm just curious, you know, what are some of the things that people need to know when they're going to get out in the marketplace and start selling their products? Well, as an entrepreneur, you sell your product from day one. When you think about the idea, you start talking to people to understand if your idea is valid. So when it's just right now, when you have an idea, then start talking to people and find out if there are enough people to uh, pursue the, the idea. April Kim is my guest right now. She's the CEO of Chatting Cat. I'm Mark Lack on Business Rockstars. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. April, what's been the hardest part so far for you on your entrepreneurial journey? We have a lot of ups and downs that are inevitable, but I'm curious for you, what's been the hardest part so far? So since I'm, uh, I, did, I don't have the uh, technical background, so to hire uh, good technical talents was the 
uh, hardest part, and mm. still I have been struggling with. And since I'm a woman, Asian, and foreigner, when I was doing uh, building a business in the U.S., that was actually yeah, that was hard. What is the difference from your perspective of doing business in the U.S. versus in Korea? I'm sure there's got to be quite a bit of differences. For for myself, it's the language and network. Like I started in the U.S. And then I came to Korea uh, a year ago. Um, I have a lot of a network, and here I know how to market people. Um, that's for me. That's easier to acquire initial like only uh, customers. Uh, since chatting at this instant correction service, when we have more customers, it becomes faster. So. Uh, for me, it was a business decision to come to Korea, and I'm planning to be back to the U.S. Uh, end of this year. Uh, the difference, um, it's a hard, hard, but it's sometimes it's harder to have to deal with a lot of uh, different cultural issues and language issues and, and um, things like that. Do you get more of your customers from Korea or from the U.S.? Because I'm just curious why you're going back to Korea, back to the U.S. Where are you getting most of your business clients? Or most of your customers? Uh, right now, we have 55% of our revenue coming from Korea. But it's mm. just because I market Korean because it's easier for me to write in Korean than in English. Although we are doing English Christian service. Um, but we have a growing number of uh, international customers. And actually, the, the U.S. is the second biggest market. It's still very small, so it doesn't really make like big different, like biggest market uh, right now, um, but uh, people in the U.S. who are who are just like me, like I was, uh, doing business in English, and they are selling as customers. What is, from your perspective, something that you're the most excited about for your business? Because I could see this being something that could just exponentially blow up and be used by so many different people since learning English is one of the biggest languages. I think one of my friends who's in the space said it's about a $60 billion a year industry. And so what's the most excited thing that's got you juiced right now about your business? You know, like many Koreans and also like Japanese and Chinese, we study English for... 10 years or 15 years, for me, maybe more than 15 years, but still feel fearful. Uh, and, you know, like 70% of uh, business communication is in English. But uh, so selling the product, the service or yourself, you have to speak English. So I'm very excited to help people like me, uh, them to communicate confidently and, and, and just be more global and be successful in the global uh, scene. Well, I'm excited for you, April, and I'm excited to see your company blow up. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you so much. I'm Mark Lack on Business Rockstars, connecting a community of entrepreneurs. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at businessrockstars.com. This information is given with the understanding that neither the host nor the station is engaged in rendering legal, accounting, business, or other professional advice. Since the details of your situation are unique, you should additionally seek the advice and services of a competent professional.